Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sport Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burris, and I am here with A to Z Sports Tennessee writer Zach Reagan. Zach, how are you tonight? Excited, ready to get this thing going. Yes, this is the, the very first episode of the podcast. We're so glad that you decided to join us to go and download the show, put it in your ears. Uh, and it might be obvious from just the general setup of this whole thing, but Zach and I will be talking everything balls every week here on uh, the A to Z Sports Big Orange podcast. And if that sounds uh, good to you and like something that you might want to listen to regularly, make sure that you go to the A to Z Sports podcast feed on iTunes, Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are sold and you subscribe, obviously download the shows and listen to them. Uh, leave reviews. Uh, don't leave bad reviews. If you have, if you're going to leave a bad review, don't leave a review, obviously. But uh, otherwise, if you have good things to say about us, do leave reviews. And then also, I'm at Charlie underscore Burris on Twitter. Zach is Z Reagan eight five on on Twitter. A to Z Sports at A to Z Sports on Twitter. Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville, uh, and it's all there. You can find us, interact with us, tell us what you thought of the show. Please, please, please do that. And I, I mean, I am I'm hyped. I guess I should give a, a little bit of, of preface here. I used to do radio for a few years uh, in Knoxville, and I, it's good to be back on the airwaves. I'm glad that I'm, uh, I'm able to do the show with you, Zach. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. It's, it's going to be fun. And I want to make sure that uh, I note that the A to Z Sports Big Orange podcast is presented by TennesseeTickets.com. It's the place you should trust with any of your ticket purchases, balls, home, or away games, concerts that you might want to go to, anything and everything over at TennesseeTickets.com. And they have zero hidden fees at checkout, which is unlike any other uh, ticket site where they try to rip you off at every single turn. Uh, and you can save $10 right now off of every single ticket purchase with the promo code AZ10AZ10. Uh, that's TennesseeTickets.com. Make sure you go there for all of your ticket needs. Uh, and now that we've paid the bills, let's talk Tennessee. Today, and I guess people will be listening to this when it comes out on Thursday. So yesterday was uh, Tennessee, uh, National Signing Day across the nation in college football. Kind of the second National Signing Day, I guess you could say, because you have the the early signing period back in December. Then you have this in February, and Tennessee actually made some moves. For a lot of teams, this is kind of just an academic day, where maybe they get you know one guy to sign who's just been putting it off. But Tennessee actually uh, got a flip from Florida State, which is great, and then and then another guy who. Uh, uh, is just a very nice pickup for Tennessee. Zach, uh, why don't you give us a quick rundown of everything that happened for Tennessee today? Yeah, it was a surprisingly positive National Signing Day, which I'm not used to saying for Tennessee. <laughs> um, they basically had two targets today, and they could have went over two, but they went two for two. They beat Florida out for D. Beckwith. Uh, I think he's going to be a versatile player for them. Uh, tight end, wide receiver, could line up anywhere, create a mismatch. And then I, I really think the biggest pickup of, of the day is Malachi Wadman. Uh, flipped him from Florida State, 
beat out Ole Miss for him. It's kind of funny that Chris Winkie was one of the key recruiters, and you know Winkie played at Florida State, and him and T. Martin kind of teamed up to to land Malachi Wadman, and and that you know, he's what the number twenty two wide receiver in the nation. I mean, he's somebody that's yeah. really athletic, plays basketball, can be a red zone threat really replace that Marquez Callaway role, but also stretch the field, which is something Jim Chaney, I'm sure, will love to do with him. It's a good pickup. It, it really is, and that was one of the most interesting things about it. You mentioned there, Weidman also plays basketball, and I, and I believe Beckwith does too. I think it was a factor with both of these guys. Right, that yeah. Basketball was on the table, so I guess in, in some sense, this is a great pickup for Tennessee football and for Rick Barnes over on the hardwood. Um, I... I will say that's a very odd situation, obviously, because in some sense, those seasons overlap a decent amount. I mean, basketball starts in early November, typically, and then your your football season, if you make it all the way to bowl game, can go, you know, into the middle middle of January. Um, but nonetheless, hey, that's great. I'm all for it. You can kind of help both programs. And yeah, Weidman. Uh, the third highest ranked player in Tennessee's class, according to to two four seven Sports, and and the Hall in general, to put it into context. So on two four seven Sports, Tennessee now has the tenth ranked class in America. They're seventh over on rivals, and that's huge. That kind of momentum in in just uh, well, I, would you say that this is still early on for Jeremy Pruitt? I guess he is he is into everything that he's doing as Tennessee's coach. But I would say in terms of the rebuild, when you put it fully in context to where Tennessee is at this point and where, you know, after Butch left, this thing was just a black pit of despair. Um, I, I got to say to have the number seven recruiting class in America at this point is really impressive. Especially after the way the, the 2019 season started, you know, losing the Georgia State. <laughs> yeah. Losing the BYU the way they did, I mean, everybody thought this thing was going down quick. I thought it was going down quick. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like I was totally out on Prude at that point, but I wasn't ignoring what I thought were red flags there. And to turn it around the way he did, that momentum clearly carried from the end of the season through the early signing period into National Signing Day. They've got a lot of momentum heading into to the 2020 season. It, fans should be excited. They certainly do, and I, I'm right there with you. I, I don't think I haven't really talked um, at, at length on, on the airwaves about this. I only have really given my opinion on Twitter. I haven't been on the radio this whole football season. I mean, I can say, but behind closed doors, when Tennessee lost to Georgia State, BYU, the Florida, Florida game was coming up. Yeah, I was saying, all right, well, where does Tennessee turn? Because obviously this ain't going to work out with Pruitt. And the fact that we went from that point with Pruitt to where we are now, just coming off an eight and five season, uh, a crazy bowl win. I mean, who to think at at that point when Tennessee is, is 0-2 to start the year that we would be saying coming off of a bowl win and eight wins blows my mind. And then you fast forward to this point the number seven recruiting class in america and really the narrative has just flipped completely in pruitt's favor and and it's as hard to believe as that might be from where tennessee was it is reality and and they're really kind of 
as much as Tennessee can be at this point, firing on all cylinders. Yeah, they're not up there with with Alabama, Clemson, and LSU, but hey, number seven ain't bad. And and specifically on rivals, Tennessee jumped ahead today, jumped ahead of Florida, and frankly, that's huge. Yeah, it, when was the last really time? When was the last time that that Tennessee went head to head with Florida? for some for a, a recruit on signing day and actually won the battle like they did exactly. with Beckwith today. I mean that that's a really talented kid that they landed over Florida and that that's just I've been we're used to seeing Tennessee lose that battle. We're used to seeing fans get their hopes up, watch the live stream of the announcement, see the hats on the table and you know, it's not going to be the Tennessee hat. You just deep down you know it's not going to be and they flipped the script today. <laughs> very, very literally, because I think it was maybe a couple of years ago, there was a kid who chose Florida over Tennessee. And uh, was it that he had a Tennessee shirt on and he took the Tennessee shirt off and had a Florida shirt on underneath or something like, or he had the Tennessee hat and he threw it and then got out a Florida hat. I, I just remembered one of the kids doing that. And then today Beckwith kind of did something similar, sort of like grabbed at the Florida hat, then put on the Tennessee hat. And it was just, you know, hey, we can't beat Florida on the football field yet, but at least this is a little victory that ideally will get you <laughs> to a win uh, on the football field against Florida. But but that really is is big because, you know, it's hard to not emphasize it. Tennessee was the butt of jokes in co- the college football world. Earlier on in the season, people thought that Pruitt was just some bumpkin that was about to drive this thing into the ground and, and now he just seems like a, a, a Saban disciple who's who's really doing a lot of things right. And it's really, really impressive. Uh, and he, he spoke today uh, to the media and had some things to say. Did you, Zach, did you have any quotes that stood out to you in, in what Pruitt said at his press conference today? I think just the overall excitement that he showed about this class, you can just tell he's really excited about this, this class. He's really excited about the wide receiver group that they signed. And they have some some players should be yeah they have some good athletes and you got to have speed to win in the sec you just have to and and they uh jalen hyatt for example i mean that kid runs up a four three forty and he's a four-star recruit and i still feel like he might be underrated and he's the type of speed that tennessee needs they haven't you know jennings Jawan Jennings was a great player for Tennessee and and won them some games, but he didn't have the speed to stretch the field. And, and Marquez Callaway didn't either, to be honest. But players like Hyatt and and Wadman, they're they're gonna bring another element to Tennessee's offense that they've been missing for since we Justin Hunter and Cordero Patterson were in town. Yeah, they're they're gonna or should be definite difference makers. I did Pruitt Pruitt also brought up. Uh, the Tennessee in this class, they signed 10 guys from the state of Tennessee. And then I guess in in some sense also brought back a guy that Butch Jones had lost from the state of Tennessee in, in Cade Mays. So if you want to count it that way, brought in 11 guys from the state of Tennessee. And, and that's significant. Of course, Tennessee is not just a nationwide renowned hotbed of recruiting. But when you can lock down the area around your team, that's huge. And then they've even started reaching in to, to other places like Georgia and South Carolina and getting guys out of there. And, and yeah, Georgia 
did have the the number one recruiting class in America this year. So what? Talk to me when they actually win a national title again for the first time in 40 years. But uh, nonetheless, it, it, it's big that these things are happening at this point for Jeremy Pruitt. And it's just a really, really good indicator for the future that you, you know, you obviously have the, the recruiting train going in the state and you're able to, to reach out beyond the state. Uh, but also talking about recruiting and reaching outside of the state, also a little bit of an update today on five-star running back, Zach Evans, who uh, full context there for anybody that doesn't know he's a five-star running back from the state of Texas and he was being recruited heavily to Texas A&M by Jay Graham. And if you haven't heard this, Jay Graham is now Tennessee's new running backs coach and a, a Tennessee great in his own right when he played at UT. Um, but uh, the the update today, this was according, this was a tweet from SEC Mike, who, who is he at Saturday down south? Yeah, I believe uh, so. Yeah, well, you know, take that of what it is. But he said he was quoting ESPN's Jerry Hamilton. uh, And Jerry Hamilton said, I've spoken to two sources at North Shore, and they both said heading into this after the weekend, Tennessee may have been the favorite over Ole Miss for Zach Evans. Uh, Now there's some chatter from Evans' camp that he may announce on Thursday. I... I would love to see this kid fall to Tennessee, but I will also say this things like there is some chatter from his camp that he will announce on Thursday. I I don't want to make a ton of assumptions, but he seems a little high maintenance as a recruit. And that can definitely be a red flag. You, you may or may not agree. I, I definitely think there's some reason for concern there. Uh, I don't know if I'm so much concerned about what happens if he's if he's on the team, but just how the next couple of months will go if he announces for Tennessee on Thursday. You know, he's still not locked in. You know, he could still change his mind. They still have to keep recruiting him. And I know Pruitt still has his in-home visit with him left that he can use, and that should help. But I think Evans that he, he ran into some trouble in high school. He was suspended for the state championship game because he didn't want to give up his cell phone the night before the game. There was a three game suspension, I believe for something undisclosed. He's had some issues, but he also seems remorseful. I mean, he's quoted as saying, I'm a good kid. I've made some mistakes. It seems like he knows that he's had some issues. He knows the perception of him. I think he wants to change that, but this whole recruitment back and forth thing Maybe it's just him looking at all of his options and not wanting to jump into another quick decision like he did with Georgia. Yeah, and maybe yeah, he's just been really back and forth, really kind of wishy-washy with, with the whole thing. And like you said, sort of some of the problems that he's had in high school. But really, it, it just comes down to this. Will he be pliable when he gets to Tennessee? Because frankly, when you get to college, nothing nothing you did in high school really matters. Oh, you won a state championship. Well, yeah, so did like 30 other guys on this football team. Congratulations. Um you know, that it it is really all about will he come in and be willing to be broken down because there are certainly a lot of guys that can come in and, and you see it you see it more with guys who, who were a lot more, like I said, kind of high maintenance in, in their recruitment where they come in and they just sort of have an, an attitude and air of like, oh, well, I was so good back then and everybody 
was telling me, oh, you're the greatest. You're a five-star coming in. Why do I have to, uh, you know, really put my nose to the grindstone when I get to college? And that, frankly, that's just not how it works. And I know for certain Jeremy Pruitt isn't going to go for that. And, and as I'm trying to say here, I don't know if Zach Evans is going to be that guy. I would say Pruitt is probably not going to go this hard after a dude that he doesn't feel like he could mold. Uh, at least I would hope not. Uh, but you had a you had some problems with that, with with Butch, with guys, and Butch uh, just couldn't handle it uh, to whatever extent. But uh, nonetheless, at a baseline baseline, this would be a big pickup for Tennessee's recruiting class. You know, just having another five star on the roster is great. Is another kind of building block, and that's that's cool. And maybe he will announce tomorrow. Maybe he'll come to Tennessee, and we'll just have to see see what happens. It's exciting, but that was just a, another development today. But even on top of that, I mean, it's just a huge news day. And, and past this, we're even going to talk some about basketball last night. Tennessee goes into Tuscaloosa, beats Alabama. We'll discuss that near near the end of the show. But another development today was some coaching changes. Now, these had already been uh, announced by the media, but Tennessee officially announced today that Joe Osevet will be the new tight ends coach. And then Tennessee's current tight ends coach, Brian Niedermeyer, will be moving to linebackers and I don't know if this is a super significant shakeup I know Joe Osevet before he got to Tennessee was really hailed as a guy who's a really creative mind when it comes uh, to offense so it's exciting to see him get in an on-field role see what he can do with the tight ends but Niedermeyer with the linebackers I I do not have direct evidence of this or, or anything like this but uh, Jeremy Pruitt really runs the defense <laughs> with uh in in large part certainly he lets the defensive coaches do a lot of what they need to do but it almost feels like this move is kind of to get Niedermeyer even more freed up for recruiting because Niedermeyer is a dang recruiter man and and maybe I'm making a lot of assumptions there uh but I, I could see that being a thing where they're saying, look, we need you to be really, really pounding it on the recruiting trail. We'll move you over to defense, and you don't have to worry about it as much as you might on offense, and and you can really concentrate on what you need to concentrate on. But that's my own speculation. Well, I think I think he wanted to keep Osevet, and I think he knows that he's valuable as, as kind of an innovative guy, and offenses are constantly evolving. I think he sees him maybe as his, like Joe Brady was for LSU. Like maybe Osevet can help bring, a, I hope so. you know, different looks to the uh, to Tennessee's offense. Maybe with Harrison Bailey somehow. But uh, and tight ends, you know, that's what Osevet has to go to. You can't move him to defense. He's he's an offensive guy. Niedermeyer does have experience with linebackers under Pruitt at Georgia and Alabama as a GA. And uh, Niedermeyer said tonight at the recruiting celebration that, uh, you know, he feels at home on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, maybe this is there you go. a long-term career option for him. Yeah, and and if there's anybody on the staff that I really want to see excel, it's Brian, Brian Niedermeyer. He's just such a likable guy. Uh, obviously, on top of his social media presence, he's just fun there, and he's kind of fun to talk to if you get to interview him. But also, it, it seems like the players like him a lot. He's he's been a magician on on the recruiting trail, as I was already talking about. And and I just think this is I don't know that it has a really profound impact on the way that this team operates, but I think it's good all around. Uh, 
Osevet is a guy who who has been known to be innovative on the offensive side of the ball. That's cool. And and Niedermeyer, if he's more comfortable on defense, hey, that's all the better. You know, something that stood out to me is when when Pruitt announced his first staff at Tennessee. You know, nobody knew who Niedermeyer was, and and I think the quote was, "We're going to give him a shot." And he said the same thing about Osevet today. So who knows? You know, maybe this is another Niedermeyer-like move that pays off in a big way for Pruitt because, like you said, Niedermeyer might be the most important guy on the staff the way he recruits. Hopefully, I hope, <laughs> I hope it all all turns out that way. That would be great. I Tennessee tight ends is kind of something that that's up in the air. Uh, you have Wood Anderson uh, moving on from Tennessee or just graduated uh, out, and and the tight ends. They're not necessarily an unknown, but they're kind of rebuilding in a sense. And so if you can get some real expertise there, that that would be great because I think Tennessee's offense, the way that it runs, really lends itself more of a kind of uh, NFL-ish style offense. Tight ends are so important in, in that kind of a look. And and to really get them going would be huge. So hopefully Osevet uh, can, can do it and really take that role and make it his own uh, as much as you can being a position coach for the team. But uh, even, yeah, hopefully, even beyond, oh, go ahead. Uh, hopefully, deep Beckwith, they'll be able to use him and get, yeah. get creative in that tight end situation and and, and find some mismatches there. Because a guy that athletic, who, like you said earlier, also plays basketball, it's going to be hard for a linebacker to cover him. So I'm sure they'll find a way to utilize him. Man, that would be fun. Like a guy, because isn't he uh, six four, six five? Yeah, six four. Yeah, he's a he's a big dude. Both of, both of those guys. Yeah, Malachi Weidman. Six four and a half, so basically six five, and yeah, Demarcus Beck with six four, a lot of potential there for either of those guys at a multitude of positions. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to see it. Um, but even even on top of all of that, there was even more news today. Potentially, we're not sure exactly how this one is going to pan out yet. But Jeremy Banks, former Tennessee linebacker slash running back, uh, but a, a uh, I guess he was a four-star coming in, I think, but just showed a ton of potential, just showed that he plays really, really hard and then had a, a run-in, a really unfortunate run-in with the police. And you could think whatever you want to, to think about that, there's a multitude of opinions uh, about everything that happened there. We are purely talking about what happened with him today and him potentially returning to the football team. So on, on Instagram, he posts a picture of himself uh, just catching a football in a Tennessee uniform. And then he said, thanks God, all glory to you. See you soon with an orange heart. And then it says August, 2020 kind of suggesting that he may be returning to Tennessee, but then Pruitt was asked about it today during his press conference and kind of shot it down. Do you have what, what he said, Zach? I think he was just asked if Jeremy Banks is back on the team, and it was a simple one-word answer, no. And he didn't simple expound enough. on it beyond that. But the, that would be really interesting because it would essentially be uh, like another recruit coming in of, of sorts, but... I don't know. Some people might equate this to a situation similar to Juwan Jennings, but it's it's really not. I mean, Juwan Jennings did not have a run in with the law in in terms of what got him kicked off the team. Also, Juwan Jennings did not say some of the things uh, that Jeremy Banks 
said, but at the same time, uh, you know, I am, I'm a proponent of, of second chances. The kid is really talented and I don't want to see him squander his future because of one really off night for him. Uh, and so I, it would be interesting to see him come back and, and maybe maybe the Juwan Jennings situation is a good sign for how this may turn out where Pruitt really brought Jennings in and said, meet all of our expectations or this isn't going to work out. And and obviously Juwan rose to the occasion and is now a Tennessee legend in his own right. Um, but that I think it would be a great learning experience to give another guy a, a second chance, let him build himself back up from the ground up and don't, you know, don't just bring him back and say, hey, you're back. You're the starting linebacker now. You you really would have to work for it and, and redeem yourself. But I, all in all, think think what you want to think. I, I personally, I, I would not mind seeing him come back. I think it's kind of like, you know, Nick Saban's touched on this before. You know, what do you, when you catch a guy off of a team, what do you, what do you expect him to do? Where do you expect him to go? Are you just giving up on him? Do you want to make a difference? Do you want to make an impact and maybe, you know, his future is more productive because he got a second chance at Tennessee? You know, I, I'm in the same boat. I mean, I, there's certain situations where a player just kicked off a team and there's no coming back from it. And maybe some people feel that way with Banks, but I'd like to see him yeah. get another chance. And this is a little different than the Jennings situation, too, in the fact that, you know, Pruitt didn't kick Jennings off the team. He didn't have to. Yeah answer any questions about, well, why did you kick him off the team and then let him back on? You know, that was a different coaching staff. It was an interim coach, a fired athletic director. It was, it was a lot easier for Jennings to get back on the team in that situation. I think it's trending towards Banks coming back. It seems that way. Pruitt has left the door open. He hasn't ruled it out. Uh, I think if he does come back, I know Banks preferred to play running back, but I think if he does come back, he'll probably probably be willing to do whatever is asked of him. I think he'll probably stick at linebacker, stick at linebacker in that situation. Uh, but it all depends on if Pruitt wants to bring him back or not. Yeah, that that's really what it does come down to, and and obviously on on top of that, Banks's willingness to to humble himself and become what what Pruitt wants him to uh but we we can just kind of discuss that if more comes of it it's really just speculation today because of his instagram post and then pruitt shot it down but we actually have uh i need like a little breaking news a little soundbite or something here john bryce long long time tennessee reporter very well connected he just said this about zach evans who we were uh talking about earlier he said for what it's worth I am told emphatically by folks in direct contact with Rivals.com, the top 100 player and five-star running back, Zach Evans, uh, the nation's number one running back and Texas's top prospect, that Evans will neither announce nor sign on Thursday. Ball's very much in the mix. Ole Miss and Gators also in the mix. I am told, again, from, from John Bryce, generally speaking, very well connected John is. So Another just twist. even more drama. <laughs> Expect more of this over the next two months is how I feel. Yes. I, I that's gonna it's probably gonna end up almost being a game time decision 
of sorts with him. It seems like he's stringing it out as long as he can. And then who knows if there's qualifying issues, maybe. I mean, yeah. Nobody really even knows the situation with Georgia. I mean, although I don't know if you saw Kirby Smart's comments today where he said sometimes a player's values don't line up with the program's values and you just don't want to go after him anymore. And without saying Evan's name, it was pretty clear he was talking about him. Yeah, and that this, as we were talking about before, those things you got to look out for that might be red flags. You don't want to invite a, a guy on the team that's going to be a cultural problem. Not saying he's going to be, but things things that you do have to watch out for. But nonetheless, it would be a huge pickup if, for nothing else, the visual of Tennessee having another five-star prospect choose them over Florida and Ole Miss. That would be huge just to stick it to Florida and Ole Miss. Uh but uh, none, nonetheless, we'll just kind of have to see exactly how how that turns out. But uh, I, I think there, there's a discussion here to be had about really what the perception of Tennessee is at this point. I think when, when I think about this signing day and where Tennessee is at, at this exact moment, because there's still definitely a perception that Tennessee kind of stinks overall, rightfully so. Think, Every, go ahead. I think I think there's two different perceptions. You have people closer to the program that keep up with the program, Vol fans that that have seen the the well mostly downs, but they saw the you know the upward traje- trajectory under Butch Jones, but they they saw where it went wrong. And I think people away from the program have a different perception where they're like, well, this is just the same thing that happened under Butch Jones. A few good recruiting classes, eight win season. But what else is it? You know, they haven't they haven't proved anything yet. And they haven't. But I do feel like it it feels different this time than it did under Jones. I think everybody knew under Butch, deep down, maybe they didn't want to admit it, but they knew that it wasn't it just wasn't Tennessee under him and and you went exactly where I wanted to go because yeah you, you did see with Butch and was it his his third year had a, a top five recruiting class now it was a little bit of a shell game ultimately not only because half of that class ended up leaving or like more than half I or retiring or hurt yeah it, for whatever reason just ended up not panning out not really playing for Tennessee for any significant amount of time but, you know, Tennessee fans saw that. It was really exciting, and it was great, but this does just feel different. And maybe it's just because of the guy leading the charge, but it it's similar in that it's a, it's a high-rated recruiting class in year three, and that's great. But just with Pruitt, the, the trajectory with, with Butch, it kind of felt like, okay, this is cool, and we're kind of going in the right direction, but I haven't really seen great evidence that he's a great on the field coach. And I, to me, that's what makes such a difference with Pruitt. Yes. Everybody. If you ever bring this up on Twitter, they say, well, he lost to Georgia state. How could he possibly be good? Well, he also beat Gus Malzahn at Auburn. He gave Alabama a scare this year. Uh, He, you know, just different things. People have really, 
talked about how good Kentucky has been. He didn't lose to Kentucky's yeah, he's best. He's 2-0 against their best teams <laughs> yeah, ever. Their best teams in the history of Kentucky football. And and there's just a lot that really suggests that he's he's a smart uh, guy when it comes to on-the-field coaching. He has a lot to learn, but he's really going in the right direction uh, in in that vein. And to me, that makes so much of a difference in this situation. Yes, great recruiting class, but Butch Jones squandered the recruiting classes that he has. I look at this and I say, man, great recruiting class, and I think Pruitt could really do something with this, and and that's really cool. I think you see the difference in the type of players that Pruitt is recruiting to. Um, it's a talented class, but he's got a lot of big guys, big bodies up front that, that are in this class, names that don't really stick out so much, but they're, they're going to be a factor. James Robinson, uh, big body up front guy, Reginald Perry, another guy from Alabama, both of those guys from Alabama, six, six, 300 pounds. You got to have guys like that to win in the trenches and Pruitt's recruiting those. He's not recruiting the, uh, offensive, the athletic offensive lineman that can, uh, move around the field like Butch did. He's recruiting big guys. You know, that's how you win at Tennessee and the SEC. And this is a, different type of player that he's going after than what butch went after yeah and, and you really saw that this season and i think it's just going to be even more elevated in the coming season when you win in the trenches the general view of your football team totally changes and i think specifically just because college football has become such a quarterback driven league so much starts with the offensive line so 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 much because this is the, the first off- time the offensive lines actually improved yeah I I mean, like, and didn't just improve, but really became one of the better units in the entire SEC. And, and at some points was pushing around teams that before the season started, I would have thought would have just dominated Tennessee. Two true freshmen and a guy that barely Mm -hmm. practiced or didn't really practice at all in Trey Smith. So, I mean, that's something we're not used to seeing at Tennessee over the last decade. And, and Trey, Trey Smith in a general sense is a total, revelation and he's a great team leader for that unit and that's that's great and Tennessee's so lucky to have a guy like that there to even guide those young guys um but so much does start there if you can win that battle in the trenches you know you give not only you give your running back great room to run great holes to run through uh you give your quarterback time to throw and it just brings together so much. And then if your offense gets moving, well, then your defense has time to rest and you're playing complimentary football. If you, you know, even if you have to punt the ball, but your offense moved the ball 20 yards instead of going three and out, well, your punter has a better chance to flip the field. And there's just so much that when you really think about it, it starts at that offensive line. I mean, the offensive line, when you really <laughs> stretch it out, can even affect the defense. Uh, and in some sense, because they can kill an offense and the offense dying can kill the defense. So it's uh, just imagine if Cade Mays gets his waiver and gets to play. Exactly. I mean, that you you are talking and, and I haven't taken a hard, hard dive down into all the offenses of offensive lines of the SEC for next season. I have to imagine that'd be the best offensive line in the SEC. Although there was a little bit of. I, I mean, I guess bad news, but it, it, it shouldn't affect him for next season. That Wanya Morris has to have uh, or had surgery and is going to miss spring practice in his hip. Did see that today, and ideally that won't affect him him long term. Even coming back from a surgery, he's still an absolutely superhumanly massive 
guy. But uh, yeah, that that was even more news to to add on to this whole day. Wanya Morris is gonna have to sit out through the spring. Uh, but there there is just a lot of potential here, and a lot of it, I guess, at the end of the day, it does really come down to uh, Harrison Bailey and these guys that you're bringing in at quarterback because that's what college football has just sort of become. Can that guy be a hero for you? Uh, but there, there is a lot of potential here at Jimmy, Jimmy holiday. It's another guy that a lot of people have been talking about in this recruiting class. He, he's a three-star kind of flew under the radar. He, and he's yeah, just a three-star athlete, not really totally set at a position. I guess he's, he's quarterback wide receiver, sort of hybrid looking and, uh, adding any kind of extreme athleticism like yeah, he, he appears a, to have with a four a four three eight forty, Oof. I mean you can use him somewhere on the field. You'll yes. find a way. But Put if, him think out about there. if if he does stick at quarterback, or you know that they're, I guess they're going to give him a chance at quarterback. That's part of the reason he signed. Imagine what kind of weapon he could be. I feel like he's the type of guy that we've seen kill Tennessee at like Florida over the years. This guy that comes in off the bench and they just you don't have an answer for like. Maybe he can be that guy for Tennessee that gives opposing SEC defenses just nightmares. He he could be a uh, who was it in the the ten to nine game that came in right? Was it the ten to nine floor? Not oh Drake, yeah, I was at Drake that Drake game too, and I was back with Tebow. It was uh oh I can't I can't think. I, there there are definitely people who are listening to this that are just like screaming. At their, oh, I'm sure. It was, I was this I, guy. I, I, I covered that game. I was there that day, and I can't, I can't remember. Yeah, or maybe, yeah, I was at that game too. Maybe it wasn't the ten to ten to nine game. I there's been several Florida games off. where uh, I think the 2012 game was it. Who was it that ran all over Tennessee? Yes, and, that maybe that that is what I'm thinking of. Not not the ten to nine game. Uh, yeah, no. 2012 because college game day was there. I went to college yes. game day. Uh, I was at that yeah, game that was, too. Yeah. Yeah, that was my junior year of college, um, and it. Let's see, I, I'm looking at it now. It was Trey Burton. It was Trey Burton. I was thinking right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, 30, okay. Thirty-seven to twenty. Yes, because Jeff uh, Jeff Driscoll. Driscoll also played. Oh God. Uh, well, yeah, yeah that, that was after Tennessee just rolled all over NC State, and it really felt mm-hmm. like all right, we Dooley's really got it ourselves. figured out. And then that defense, that Sunseri, Sal Sunseri defense, just <sighs> brutal. But genuinely, if Tennessee could ever give back to an offense like that, credit to Dooley. That 2012 offense was phenomenal. Well, hey, uh, uh, Pruitt's got, you know, a third of Dooley's staff back now. He's got Ansley, <laughs> Graham, and Chaney, you know. Three of the nine, because it was nine coaches back then, three of Dooley's nine assistants are, are on Pruitt's staff. Yeah. Well, maybe. And it was the good assistants. <laughs> yeah, yes. The the guys that actually worked, like Jim Chaney, who ran that offense. Um, but uh yeah, I, I think we was was there anything else with signing day? I, I don't think that we've we've really missed much, covered everything. It was just a massive news day when it came uh to Tennessee football. Um I don't, yeah, it's, it's I don't just think... not the same as it used to be with the whole early signing period. I mean, everything goes down yeah. in December, and it's just you just kind of get those last. The fact that they even were able to have two four star targets today was 
something in itself. And that did make it exciting, much more exciting than maybe I I thought it was going to be. Because as you already have sort of said, we're we're kind of used to having a day like this where it's like, oh, we got a couple guys on the line. One of them's already, you know, he's already committed to Florida State. That's probably not going to happen. And having him just stay at Florida State is the t- is the typical thing. Uh, I think kind of one, one important thing, one important thing in this class that that I thought was maybe the most important thing is the way that Pruitt was able to recruit the Memphis area and land five guys out of Memphis. That's going to be huge for Tennessee mm-hmm. moving forward. If he if he can keep that up, I know David Johnson was big in Memphis. And, and you know he's moved on to Florida State, but you know Tennessee's kind of in there now. You know they've they've landed some some big recruits out of there there this year. Omari Thomas and yeah, that, that, if they can continue to do that, that that'll be huge. It it will be, and that I, I want to just compare it to to basketball and say like, oh well, as long as we can beat Memphis out, and to a certain extent that is true. And Mike Norvell is gone now. And that's good, but really for those guys, you're competing with the Mississippi schools. Yeah, uh, Ole a Miss lot of the time. And... Yeah, Ole, Ole Miss and, and Mississippi State, depending on uh, and and yeah, winning those battles is really big. And in, in kind of what I was and, speaking about and earlier. now with uh, Lane Kiffin down the road at Ole Miss, that that could make for some interesting recruiting battles. I maybe that was the thing that kind of surprised me the most today. You were in in it with a, a guy who Lane Kiffin was also recruiting. And I got to think Lane, unless he's, he's fully changed his ways and maybe he had a come to Jesus moment down there in Boca Raton, but uh, he did you know, reply he does... to a tweet of mine today and told me, told me uh, that he was older now. And that was the reason for his <laughs> more mature. Uh, I think I said something about it's a different Lane Kiffin than 2009. He said, it's an older Lane Kiffin. So maybe, <laughs> maybe age comes wisdom there. Maybe I I didn't see that today. That's really funny. Um, but uh, maybe he does say that. But at the same time, it's still Lane Kiffin. Yeah, and he's that for sure. And also, he's tweeting at you on National Signing Day, and and a National Signing Day where he has guys out there that he could potentially get, like Lane. <clears throat> Maybe your your time might be better spent not tweeting at you know Tennessee sports writers <laughs> and instead recruiting guys. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that's why know. he didn't get Malachi Wadman today. He's too busy <laughs> tweeting at us. See, Zach, you you were really the difference. You got him, uh, you got him him off his game. Uh, you had him distracted today, and and you're really the reason why why Tennessee locked him down. There you go. Now we got that. We can move on to bigger things now. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're a part of the the recruiting system at Tennessee. Um, Inadvertently. Yeah, but uh, so that that is the bulk of of uh, everything for for signing day. I guess I'll I'll take a second here, and I I will say, please do give us feedback on the podcast. It it is huge in terms of us just making it better. We want to be uh the the best that we can be for the folks that are listening so give us a feedback again at charlie underscore burris zach tnt am I, uh, yes. yes i'm getting it down zach at zach tnt on twitter at a to z sports and and just tell us 
what you think of, of the podcast. And if you want to hear anything else, send questions to us, whatever, we're open to, to all interaction. Uh, but just a, a little side note there, we'll, we'll finish, wrap things up with some basketball talk. Last night, Tennessee rolls into Tuscaloosa, goes down big, goes down 15 in the first half, and then comes back on the back of a phenomenal performance by John Fulkerson in a really clutch last couple of minutes by Eve Pons and beats Alabama and Tuscaloosa, a place that Tennessee has had a lot of trouble winning in in the past. It was a big game. Yeah, and Tennessee didn't offensively for the for the whole game shot 35% and Alabama shot 46%. I mean, it's another one of these box store anomalies and this one went Tennessee's way, but they were able to win the rebounding battle, which has been a problem and that that's huge. That that is big and and Alabama certainly not some rebounding powerhouse. Uh, by any means, but to to win this game where Tennessee, in some sense, their back was really a, against the wall. Like you were talking at this point, every every loss is just sailing you down the river to the NIT, and and with a few more losses, the CBI. I you know if that's is that even a thing anymore? I'm pretty sure it is, but. Uh, Once you know, it gets past like, the NIT, does it really matter? You know, yeah. For, it's just nobody at that point. They've lost. You know, yeah. The the NIT is already the not in the tournament tournament, yeah. uh, and and so they're really really flirting with it. But you are at at this point at thirteen and nine, and with your next game being Kentucky at home in Thompson Bowling Arena, which Tennessee has not been great at uh, inside Thompson Bowling this season. As disappointing as as that may be, it is just the truth. Uh, but you have a chance to go on a little run here. Beat beat Kentucky. Let's see the exact schedule. You beat Kentucky, then you have Arkansas at home also. That would be a really nice win. Arkansas started off this season really, really well. They've slipped a little bit recently. They blew a big lead to Auburn last night, which was rough. Uh, then you have South Carolina and Vandy, two teams that you've already beaten. And then at Auburn, a game you're probably planning to, to drop, but if you won... I would say three out of your next four and make sure one of those wins is over Kentucky. Uh, you're kind of right back in it as crazy as that might be. Uh, Cause at that point, if you win three out of four, you'd be 16 and 10. You need 20 wins. It's right there for you. And Tennessee just has to take it. I think Tennessee, I mean, we've seen glimpses like the Kansas game. It looked like they're on the verge of putting it all together I mean, this is a team that can do it. I mean, they, they, I don't know. I think I've went back and forth on this. Is it, should I make excuses for them or should I not? Because there's plenty of excuses to be made. You know, losing Turner it throws a whole wrench in the plans and bringing Vestrovi in as great as he is. It's a whole new, you know, chemistry. It, it's been a weird season, you know, losing a lot of players from last year's team, I do feel like I feel positive about the program moving forward. Maybe it's because of the win last night. Maybe I wouldn't be saying that if they would have dropped that game, but I do feel like they're on the verge of possibly putting it together. Uh, if they can start scoring, they just, it's mind blowing how it, it's frustrating to watch at times, how cold they can go. Yeah. 
it it really is rough. I mean, uh, two two of eighteen uh, for threes last night. That's mm. or two of eighteen. That that's that's dreadful. It is really really brutal. Uh, some of the the factors with this team and specifically the offensive end is just makes my eyes bleed sometimes. Uh, but I think realistically looking at this team, what, what will sink them or really raise them up? It, it truly depends on how exactly they attack this. Although they put themselves in a really tough position, losing games like Texas A&M and Mississippi state in the last two, the final stretch of this season is really, really brutal. After you play at Auburn, and and like I said, you kind of have four in a row that are all winnable. Then you go to to Auburn, which is going to be really, really tough to win. They're a really good basketball team. Then you go to Arkansas. So hard to win in Bud Walton. And then you have Florida at home. Then you have to go to Kentucky, another another place where I'm kind of like, okay, you probably chalk that up as a loss. And then, hey, if you win it, great. But uh, then you have Auburn at home. So they have opportunities. You beat Florida at home. You beat Auburn at home. Those are two wins you can kind of hang hang your hat on, but at Auburn, at Arkansas, at Kentucky, that's that's really tough, and it could ultimately be Tennessee's demise. Yeah, they can really only afford to lose two or three more games at the. Mo- I mean, yeah. beyond that, you really have no shot. I mean, you're an, an absolute stretch would be, and even losing, then, you're a bubble team, a big yeah, time bubble team. A, a stretch would be losing twelve. You're probably looking at. Because the, then the it's going to be 13 because of the tournament, unless they find a way. Yeah, exactly. And so you're you're staring down the barrel, and and you can help yourself in the conference tournament for sure by beating a couple of teams you're not supposed to, maybe. Uh, but that that may be, you know, Tennessee kind of kind of blew it with some of these earlier games that they needed to win. That Texas A&M loss really that that one was that that really hurt. So brutal that that one specifically, and then then I also look back on probably the the two biggest ones where you could have really said, "Hey, look at that nice out of conference win." It was at Cincinnati, and Cincinnati's turned out to just be not a good basketball team. And, and then Wisconsin at home, and not just losing to Wisconsin, losing by twenty to Wisconsin is awful. And Wisconsin's not good. That team has turned out to be mediocre at best. So they're. Yeah, there's just a lot about <clears throat> Tennessee where you kind of look back and you say, man, why why did we not capitalize on that? But, hey, <clears throat> this win at Alabama is a nice turn of events. That's great. Maybe they can carry some momentum into this Kentucky game, beat Kentucky, and then it's sort of a brand-new season where you're just coming down the stretch and you say, we got to win these, and if we don't, so be it. Welcome to the NIT. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, it it is a whole other conversation talking about whether they have excuses or not. And in my opinion, they really don't. But at this point, it just is what it is uh, with, with Tennessee basketball. And you just kind of have to take it at, at surface level because as much as I want to say, Rick Barnes gets paid $5 million. You're not allowed to miss the tournament when you make $5 million. This is where we're at and you're rebuilding and you have Delmonte Turner out. And there are just some things that have happened. That have sent Tennessee yeah, I get point. it as a, I, I get it as a rebuilding year, but you're right. They should still, they should still be a tournament team by all means. Yeah. I mean, they shouldn't miss the tournament. I wasn't expecting a deep tournament run this year. I wasn't expecting anything close to last year, but I, 
would expect to make the tournament. For sure. And maybe next season, hey, you bring in Malachi Weidman, you bring in DeMarcus Beckwith, whoever gets some of these this new blood in here along with all the, the couple of All-Americans they got coming in. Hey, it's, it's a brand new day next year if they end up sailing into the NIT this season. But uh, either way, that's uh, that's the bulk of it. I think we covered pretty much everything that's happened with Tennessee lately, and that's a taste of what this is going to be like. The A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I, I would say it's only going to get better from here because please really do give us feedback so we can make this thing better. We do want to bring in, hopefully, in the near future, a, a questions segment, but we'll probably just tweet that out, say, hey, send us questions for the podcast, and we'll kind of go from there. Uh, but we, we want to make this about not just about us blabbering about Tennessee sports. We want to bring the, the fans into it, too, make it an interactive experience. So holler at us, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports. Uh, Zach, any any parting thoughts? Well, uh, it's fun. I look forward to doing this. I look forward to, uh, you know, discussing whatever madness Tennessee finds themselves in on a weekly basis because we know that there's always something that happens in Knoxville, unexpected, and it's fun to talk about. It, it always is. And this, this really was great. Great first episode of the show. I'm excited about the future and where we're headed with this. And uh, we'll we'll wrap it up there again. Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan, follow at A to Z Sports on Twitter at A to Z Sports on Instagram, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville. Uh what else? Oh, the I podcast feed. Follow the podcast feed, Spotify, iTunes, wherever podcasts are in your region, however you have to find them. Go out into the woods, go look. Maybe they're out there. I don't know. Um but go like, subscribe, comment, review, whatever you positive, have to do. Positive reviews. Oh, po- yeah. P- positive reviews only. Don't leave any negative reviews. We don't want those. They're not welcome here. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's it, I think. Let me get uh, the outro music going, and we will see everybody next week. Peace out. See you guys.